0: Welcome to the wealth is in the details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today I'm really excited we have a special guest in studio. Well, he's in his own studio because, you know, they're still social distancing and all that. Uh, But that is Brett Kaufman. Brett Kaufman is partner and chair of the estate planning practice at Schlossberg LLC, a law firm located in Braintree, Massachusetts. Good morning, Peter, how are you? I'm fine, Eric, how about yourself? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Peter. I'm, I'm really excited to hear your guys' conversation today. I know that you, you've got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. When it comes to possibly ruining a perfectly designed estate plan, what are you talking about today?
2: Uh, thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, you know, I think an estate plan, which, which can include, you know, hundreds of pages of a uh, beautifully crafted legalese, I, I think of it mm-hmm. in, like a, like a recipe for a wonderful meal, you know, l- like any recipe, uh, an estate plan is, is full of good intentions. But without proper implementation, uh, a well intentioned estate plan, like, like a well crafted recipe, it, c- it can just be a disaster. If all the details mm-hmm. aren't taken care of. And so with, with that in mind, I thought it'd be fun and, and interesting to include uh, Brett Kaufman in, in the conversation. Uh, over the last uh, few years, Brett's uh, assisted many of our clients in estate planning matters. He's he's a pro, he's got lots of experience and, and expertise. He's, he's just great with clients. He's a great communicator. And, and I think um, can really help uh, our clients understand Frankly, really complicated issues.
1: I, I love that Peter because I love the analogy that you gave a, 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 about a recipe, a well-crafted recipe. Because I think if you have all the perfect ingredients for a cake, but you bake it at a thousand degrees, it's not going to work. Exactly. <laughs> it's gonna, that's it's going to come out like a yep, brick. So. so so true. It's yeah, it's, it's really great.
2: it is about the chef. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and uh, and we got a great chef here, Brett Kaufman. So so Brett, when when I talk about the implementation. Of an estate plan i'm really referring to the the thoughtful and proper ownership of assets and and appropriate beneficiary designations And, and and i hope you could spend some time just talking about why that's so important
3: absolutely and uh first of all thank you for having me on today um I appreciate that. And I I know there is a saying in estate planning, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And that certainly applies for the estate planning client. Um, Clients spend a lot of hours and a lot of money in working with an estate planning attorney to be able to come up with a perfectly crafted estate plan, going through all their family situation, going through the taxes, and then that's what I call kind of step 1 and the attorney kind of puts together that plan, they sign the documents, but the phase 2 never happens. So those plans go awry and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today.
2: That that's that's great. Could could you could you talk a little bit about about these intentions and 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 how how actually assets get transferred?
3: Yeah. So basically um, and to simplify how assets get transferred, there are four ways that any of us can own our assets. The first one is individually. So if you own a bank account in your individual name, that's you owning it individually. The second way is assets with a name beneficiary. So that's a life insurance policy, that is a retirement plan, that's an annuity. You have a beneficiary. And then so basically, whoever you name is your beneficiary, that's where it goes upon your passing. The other way is owning things jointly with somebody with rights of survivorship. So if that person passes away, it automatically transfers to that surviving beneficiary. And the fourth way is if you set up a trust and you transfer assets into that trust during your lifetime, then upon your death they're already in the trust and that trust becomes the roadmap of your estate plan when you pass away. So you know, in looking at those four ways, There's a lot that could go wrong if you don't properly title things in the appropriate box. So for example, the most important thing is if you have things in your individual name, that's basically going to pass through the probate process. The other three ways that I mentioned, having a named beneficiary, owning things jointly with somebody or putting things into your trust, avoid probate. Probate is going through the court process. And there's three main reasons why people want to avoid probate. The first one is there's a time delay from the time when somebody passes away until the time somebody has the authority to access that money. So if, if somebody needs that money right away, let's say to pay for a funeral, to pay for taxes, whatever it is, or just have access to that money for just their daily needs, they're not going to have access if that, if that bank account was just in that person's name. So the fact, whether or not you have a will or not have a will, is not the determining factor of probate probate the determining factor is whether or not the asset was owned in your individual name. So that's an important piece of it. And I mean the other reason why people want to avoid probate, there's gonna be a cost. There will be attorneys fees, there'll be court cost. So there's an increased cost by having to go through that probate process. And the third reason why people typically want to avoid that probate process is because it's all public record. So when you when basically when you pass away you file your will with the court and what happens is, as part of that process, your personal representative, or it used to be called executor, files an inventory of all of your assets. So everyone's gonna know what's inside of your estate, and also you file an accounting, so everyone's gonna know where it goes. So what happens is, if you're a private person, you don't want people to know how you're leaving your estate, you certainly want to avoid that probate process, so you don't want to have things in your individual name. So basically, it's important to kind of look how things are properly titled, and when you have things, as like I mentioned before, a named beneficiary, that's great. You can avoid that probate, but you want to make sure that beneficiary designation is, is the appropriate person, or it has been updated if you've had subsequent children, or, you know, you've re- remarried, or these different situations we want to get into t- today. And also, you know, the other way we mentioned before was owning assets jointly. And if you put someone on there for a convenience, you know, that might not be the person that you want those assets to go to. So you need to kind of look at that. And that's almost as important, if not more important than just putting the documents together.
2: So so you, you mentioned a, a, a road map and I've seen you uh, in front of our clients. Uh, Describing this roadmap and you you actually put together a great document and and I, I think it would be great to offer this, uh, this roadmap to any listeners that want to see it. Um, Is that something that uh, that we can share with with listeners?
3: Absolutely. I'll send it over to you and you can can feel free to post it uh, on your website and anyone can um, use it. You know it's it's a a nice roadmap people can use it's pretty easy to kind of understand again kind of showing you those four ways you can own your assets and how things
2: will flow based on how you own those assets so i just think it's so important i i think you know part part of what 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 we do as as, as a planner is to review uh ownership and beneficiary designations and we we attempt to do that each year because, you know, life, life is full of changes. Things happen. People open up new accounts, um, uh, kids are born, grandkids are born, uh, you know, just change happens. And so we wanna make sure uh, on a regular basis that ownership and beneficiary designations are up, up to date relative to the client's actual objectives. Uh, but, you know, nevertheless, I've seen mistakes and I'm sure you've seen plenty of them. Could, could you could we walk through kind of the the, the mistakes and, and how that can affect uh, an and overall estate plan and how that can really dampen someone's uh, ability to meet their objectives?
3: Absolutely. I mean, there are, there are plenty of mistakes, and I'm not sure if we'll cover them all today, but you know I'm kind of gone through some of the more important ones that I think that people should be aware of and the ones I see more often. Um, And the first kind of being, you know, for it's for a married couple that that go through that estate planning process We talked about that spend that money on that on that trust that has, you know So if you're out there and you have an estate plan and you have and you've talked to an attorney and the attorney says We have a family trust and we have a marital trust What that means is that what you've done is you've done some tax planning and as part of that and typically in Massachusetts that tax plan involves making sure that when spouse one passes away, there's a million, at least a million dollars inside their trust to be able to exclude that from the surviving spouse's estate. However, what I see what happens is that somebody doesn't have the assets either already put into the trust, as I mentioned before, or have assets directed to the trust at their death. So if that happens, then, then what's going to happen is there, the money will never get to that trust and that plan that was, that was perfectly implemented and signed. The, the, the assets never flow to that trust to be able to have that, that tax savings that you intended.
2: So in, a, in effect, with, without this, this last step, which is making sure the beneficiary designations are correct and the ownership is correct, uh, the, the estate may pay thousands of dollars more in taxes than necessary.
3: Exactly. In Massachusetts, typically, that million dollars of exemption, which, just so you know, I I use the word exemption because Massachusetts, what these trusts do is they create an exemption. So often a misconception is that Massachusetts has a million dollar exemption. We have a million dollar threshold. We don't have an exemption like we do from, from a federal perspective. So what happens in Massachusetts is that we have a threshold, so these trusts actually create an exemption. Again, though, if your assets are not in your trust at the time of your death or directed to your trust, they'll never be able to get into that trust to be able to provide you the, that that tax protection. And basically, right now,
2: so so Brett, it seems pretty. What what I've seen in in estate plans is that, frankly, just changing the ownership uh, uh, to to a, a a specific spouse or maybe even naming. Um, the beneficiary of a life insurance policy, uh, uh naming the, the trust as a beneficiary would solve this problem relatively easily. So it doesn't need to be complicated. You, they've already got this great, this great trust. Let's take advantage of it.
3: Absolutely. It's definitely an easy step. And again, that's what I call phase two. Remember phase one is putting to designing the plan, putting the plan together, sign the plan. Oftentimes, people, after phase one, they take that estate plan, they put it in their, you know, their, their their kitchen drawer, and they don't look at it again. But what they need to understand is that, again, there are these other pieces. There's these assets that f- intended to flow through this plan, and if things aren't titled properly, they'll never get to that plan to be able to flow the way that you want them to. So it's important to kind of make sure, like you, know, like you just mentioned, if you have an insurance policy is making sure that the beneficiary is named to be the trust. If that is the asset or the, or the insurance proceeds that you want to flow into that trust, you need to make sure that you have
2: the proper titling or else we'll never get there. So let, let's uh, talk about an, a, another, uh, another mistake that you've seen. Uh, I, I, I've, heard, I've heard you describe um, or, or tell clients that they just need to make sure that there's cash available to pay estate taxes
3: absolutely um but i mean the the if you think about it what happens is if you have a life insurance policy and you name you know john smith as your beneficiary and you have all these other beneficiaries under your will or under your trust what's going to happen if the majority of the money is going to john smith as a beneficiary of that life insurance policy the estate which is the, the, the beneficiaries receiving things under your will, under your trust, are going to have to pay estate taxes. So basically, there's not going to be a lot of money there, money there to pay that if the majority of the money is going to John Smith. And so now, you have to ask John Smith for that money. And it's a lot harder to get that money once it goes, once it goes to him. And because John Smith, in this scenario, is named as the primary beneficiary, he can get it right away. And so basically now you have this personal representative having to go chase John Smith for this for his share of the taxes.
2: Yeah, not not an easy conversation.
3: Not at all. It's a lot harder to get back once once, once, once it's gone.
2: Exactly. Um, You you also talk about uh, cash and specific bequests. Could you could you describe those mistakes that you've seen?
3: It's, yeah, I mean, basically that's the same, you know, kind of analogy to the estate taxes is that if you have a specific beneficiary you want to, you know, you want to leave a certain dollar sum to. If, the you know, if, you, if your only asset is a life insurance policy and that's going to John Smith and your will says, I want to leave, you know, $10,000 to Jane Smith, Jane Smith's never going to see it because all the money is going to John Smith because that's your only asset. So you want to make sure things either go into your trust or go through your will. Obviously, we talked about issues with the will going through probate, but still, you know, looking at the will and the trust kind of as the roadmap of how your estate plan flows, you know, you want to make sure there's money in there to leave to those specific bequests, if that's what your intent is.
2: I've seen, uh, you know, not often, but sometimes we, 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 we see IRA accounts, which where, where there's no primary designation for a beneficiary. Uh, what, what's the problem with that?
3: Well, the problem is probate, um, because what happens is if there's no primary beneficiary designation on an IRA, on a life insurance policy, on an annuity, then it's payable to your estate. And when I say it's payable to your estate, that means it's payable to your probate estate. So you have to go through your will. And so again, if you have a trust, you know, oftentimes, when you have a trust, your will just says, "Everything goes to my trust." But having to go through that will to get to your trust is going through that probate process. And as I mentioned before, you want to avoid that probate process, one being that time delay, two being the cost, and three being that public record.
2: Um, a lot of A lot of clients aren't, don't really quite understand what a what a contingent uh, beneficiary designation is and and why that's important. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, a contingent beneficiary is just a backup beneficiary. So, for example, if you have your spouse named as the primary beneficiary, and that spouse predeceased you, um, when you know one of the first things you can, you know you might not think about is have I updated my beneficiary designations? And if you don't, you know, if you don't have a backup in place, or you know, you need to kind of revisit that because otherwise, again, when you pass away, there'll be no designation and therefore it's has payable to your probate estate so making sure you have a backup also what it does is it provides flexibility in your planning I mentioned uh, before that base, you know one way to fund your trust for tax planning purposes is to name your trust as your beneficiary so you know oftentimes you may have additional assets that can be used to fund it and you don't know at the times um, you know until you pay until spouse one passes away, whether or not you're going to need that life insurance policy to fund it, or whether or not there's a piece of real estate that can fund it. So what it does is it allows by having a contingent beneficiary, and for the example I'm going to use is, you know, having spouse as the primary beneficiary, and then have your respective trust as the contingent beneficiary, it allows that surviving spouse to take a snapshot, when spouse one passes away and says, and can say, Okay, I need this to fund my deceased spouse's trust. Therefore, insurance company. I don't want it, so I want you to pay it to the contingent beneficiary, which is my which is my spouse's trust. And then that way, by having that contingent beneficiary in place, it allows you that flexibility to pick and choose when spouse one passes away.
2: So you really you, by by checking these items off by by taking care of the of the of the proper primary designation, contingent uh, beneficiary designation you're just getting closer to your objectives right i mean this is what the family wants let's make sure it happens let's implement it correctly
3: absolutely i mean that's really i think the 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 important piece i mean you spent the time you've spent the 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 money to 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 put together this plan and i always say you know people don't need to do estate planning you know because they then they just leave a mess for their family but People who actually take the time to do it, you know they have the best intentions because they you know they're, they're taking their time they're, they're spending their money to make sure that to make it easier for their family and make sure that goes to the way that their family goals are met and their family you know their objectives are, are, are also met and so they want to kind of you know if you spend this time and you spend this money, you want to make sure that that, that, that plan happens and that's why it's so important to kind of look at these different scenarios
2: yeah. I, I just came across a, a, another example of of, of a mistake um, in, in a situation where the the will was not updated, uh, and the assets were going outright to a, a a son, and it just was a really good example of how how a family just needs to keep keep make sure that the estate is is current and up to date. Um, so this was a, a situation where the, the wife died a couple years ago, and the husband died this year. A- and there was no current will, no trust, no updated beneficiary designation designation since the wife died. And so 100% of the assets, including the dad's interest in a family business, was going out right to a, a 22-year-old son who had number no, number one? He had no interest in the business itself, and he all, the the son it, it, it has has some dependency issues uh, with addiction, and and um, it's a real concern for the family that that this son is going to be inheriting outright with no strings attached these assets and 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 a business asset that he's got really no interest or skill in running. So it's just another example how just thoughtful planning that needs to stay current, uh, really needs to take place.
3: And in that scenario, if you think about it, if that client had a trust, it was as simple as just updating that beneficiary designation to be named to be that trust, and then it could still provide for that child, but also have these kind of strings attached with the trust and be able to kind kind of indirectly kind of have the, you know, the parent Kind of control how those distributions are made to that child who has that dependency issues. The other issue you see oftentimes is you know somebody has a special needs child, and they set up you know a special needs trust for that child to maintain their you know their government benefits, and it's important for that child to have those benefits and if the child's named as a beneficiary that's going to jeopardize their eligibility and so for you know you know you have the child who is the has those dependency issues that's a that's a problem you have a special needs children you also have just the, the I mean a client who who works with an attorney because they you know they've built up this wealth for the family and they've basically you know want to have a plan that whatever they leave to their kids they want to provide some asset protection for their kids. And when I mean asset protection, I mean protection from lawsuits, protection from divorces. So trying to protect the child from the outside world. And they've put, you know, they've put these nice trusts together. However, if they leave things outright to them, it's available to the world when they, when they pass away. Why? Because they have access to, access to it immediately. If it goes into these trusts, which are crafted so the child has indirect control and still has access to that money in a way that the parents are comfortable with, they'll have the asset protection and we'll never get to those asset protection trust unless the assets flow to that trust.
2: Yeah. So, so vital, it, it, you know, I, along those same lines, I've seen, you know, uh, a family, they established a, a, an account, a bank account and an investment account years ago. And, 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 and they thought at the time that it should be a joint account, you know, just it, it's simple. It's easy. It, it provides for the survivor. But the problem is is that over time, uh, if, if they've established this this these this wonderful estate plan with trust, if it's if it's going to the survivor, it's not passing through the through the trust. And again, the objectives may not be made. so or, or met. And so it just that's why the planning process is so important just to look at each asset, understand objectives, uh, understand what the client wants, and making sure that's going to happen with with certain scenarios so I, I think it's just it's just so vital and and I know you're you're so good at, at asking these questions uh of the client w- what do you own uh how do you own it what do you want <laughs> and and, and, ma- and mapping it out it's just it's just so vital well,
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's important to kind of look at these different scenarios where, let's say, you know, somebody has been divorced and they've remarried. That's one scenario where all of a sudden you want to make sure that if the intent is, and let's say you have children from a prior marriage and you want those children to receive those assets, you know, you need to make, and if you don't have a beneficiary designation on there, it's payable to your estate. And now your new spouse may end up with all of those assets. Or let's say, you know, that you, you, you set up a retirement account or you set up a life insurance policy when you had your first child and, you know, you named your spouse and then you named that child as the contingent beneficiary. So you thought you've done everything correctly and you did at the time. Absolutely. But estate planning is an evolving process. And so over time you have two, you know, two more children. And let's say that your spouse predeceases you and then then you pass away a year later that one child receives all the assets because you never updated your beneficiary to add those two other additional children. Even though your will, or even though your trust says, I want all my assets split up equally between my three kids. If that one child who you named on the, as the contingent beneficiary, is on that policy, that child's getting it by themselves. And that child's under the moral obligation, not legal obligation to give it to their siblings.
2: Yeah, it's, it, it can get so complicated and it's it, it can, so easily run afoul. Um, and, and so I, I thank you for, <laughs> for the work that you do because it is, it is just vital uh, in helping clients meet those objectives. Uh, you know we could talk about mistakes that we've seen for hours and hours. Uh, the key here I think is to is to do an accounting of your assets and liabilities, understand how you what you're, what you want for an estate plan, and then clarify and confirm, that your objectives will be met with this current ownership and beneficiary designations of those assets so you just you want to do that on a regular basis
3: absolutely i I tell people that's just as again just as important again those documents and kind of reviewing your plan and and i think it's important to you know, when you do have an estate plan to kind of revisit that plan every kind of three to five years and just look at those beneficiary designations as part of that review. That's just, you know, as, as important as looking at those documents, because, again, those documents may not come into play if those beneficiary designations aren't properly titled.
2: Yeah. I, I, I want to just move on um, a, a little bit uh, and talk about charitable giving, because. Because some of our clients are really tr- uh, so charitably inclined, they they want to provide for um f- for 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 organizations and charities that they feel passionate about, and, and um w- you know th- that also needs to be a thoughtful um, design, estate planning design. And so, what are your thoughts about uh, naming a charity or a donor advised fund as a beneficiary? Of 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 your estate, and, and what are some of the uh, just some of the things that that a client should be looking out for?
3: Well, I think the the most important thing that they should look at is if they have a you know charitable goals in mind, and they want to leave something to a specific charity or to multiple charities, but also have other beneficiaries like their kids. Um, you know, it's important to kind of look at. Your assets and look at the titling of those assets to see who's going to get which asset, because there is going to be a significant tax savings um, or tax implications on depending on who gets that asset. And what and you know and we're looking at and oftentimes in people's plans nowadays, their largest asset is their retirement plan. And you know they may have their retirement plan, they may have a you know some stocks and some and some real estate. Um, so just to kind of give an example of what I mean is, let's say that you have, you know, and we're going to use smaller dollars just to kind of f- for illustration purposes. Um, so basically, let's say that you have a combined $200,000 estate. You know, you have stock that, was, that you paid $10,000 for during your lifetime. Now it's worth at your death $100,000. And you have an IRA. And the IRA now is, is worth $100,000. If, if you have, and let's say you have you know, charity one that you want leave, to leave everything to, and you have child one that you want to leave everything to. So child one will get 100000 and charity will get 100000 What happens is, if you were to leave that retirement plan to your child, that, that, that retirement plan, is going, that child's going to have to pay income taxes on any type of distributions over a 10-year period, based on the new, uh, you know, Secure Act that's out there. So there's going, you know, and if that child is, let's say, you know, on an average on a 30% tax bracket, 30% of that hundred thousand dollars is going to be is, is going to go to the government. However, if that IRA went to the um, the charity, there's not going to be any income taxes on those because they're a charitable organization therefore you know the charity will, will will get more money the child will get more money and it's a better way by just simply each bene- by, by tit- retitling those assets each beneficiary getting that same 100 grand but just having it properly titled to maximize the tax benefits of that
2: yeah it, it, the the child if they're receiving hundred thousand dollars of, of, of stock uh, they'll also get a step up in basis so they won't have to pay any capital gain taxes on, exactly on so, they're, so
3: they're actually going to get the they'll get the full hundred thousand dollars
2: yeah so it can which can be really significant
3: absolutely so that's why it's so important when you do have Charitable uh, kind of goals in mind that you look at your assets and you review your assets and say which is which is the best asset for me to leave to this charity. We you know, you know, in the in the sense that I want to make sure everyone gets everything equal and I don't want to have to have somebody unnecessarily pay taxes. Again, in that scenario, there, if they had named that you know that child as the beneficiary of the retirement plan, that child's going to pay thirty thousand dollars in taxes just you know just using it on, on average. Uh, as opposed to just taking the stock with a step, as as you mentioned Peter with a stepped up cost basis you know of $100,000 and they can then go around turn around sell it the next day and get the $100,000
2: yeah you know, we in the planning process that we take our clients through um asset location is uh, is so important so what kind of assets go into which kind of account and this is along those same lines you know it's uh, it's making sure that they beneficiary uh, uh, is designed properly to really make it really tax efficient from an inheritance perspective uh, so such an important conversation um, Absolutely. Yeah, and i think
3: uh, oh what i was going to say is you know i think you know oftentimes people think that estate planning is okay we're just going to do a simple will and leave things to you know to my spouse and then to my kids and it's as easy as that But you know it's important to kind of look at these other factors and look at how these assets are held, and understand, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about before, making sure that you have the proper beneficiary on there, and also just look at it from a tax perspective. You know, you know, especially when you have a charity involved. So it's just there's a lot to it, and it's not just kind of as straightforward as let's kind of just put a will together um, and, and call it a day.
2: Well, well, Brett, you know, I know, I know we've just touched the surface of, uh, of these common estate planning mistakes, and there's so much more that we can can talk about. Uh, And and I know, I'd love to have you on uh, again, on this podcast to to just to continue this conversation. Uh, But, but in the meantime, what's the best way for a a listener to to reach you and, and, uh, and contact you if they have any questions, or they want additional information?
3: Um they can give me a call at my office. Um my my phone number is 781-848-5028, or they can reach me by email, and that's uh, b. Kaufman at and, and
2: I will say, Brett, that you are incredibly responsive. So um I, I feel real real comfortable uh, referring clients to you because because of that. I just know that they're gonna get Uh, serviced well and and that's that's much so much uh it's very much appreciated so thank thank you for that
3: well I thank Um,
2: you sure and and, uh you know if someone uh, has questions for uh, for me uh please uh, don't hesitate to to reach out uh my my website is raskinplanning.com and my direct line is 617-728-7433 and uh uh, please uh, give us a call and uh, we'll we'll answer your question if if you have any.
1: Hey, Peter and Brett, this was fantastic. Um, Brett, I've been working with Peter for a very long time. And one of the things that is uh, incredibly apparent to me and obvious to the entire audience is that every situation is different. Every person's situation is unique. And so um, I know that uh, we don't know what the future holds. You you mentioned a few things. I know that one of the things is the step up in basis. and. And I know that that's of concern for a lot of people because of uh, possible changes because of changes in government, so on and so forth. So uh, for anybody listening, you have the ability to rewind this podcast, rewind, find Brett's contact information uh, or Peter's contact information, which we give out all the time. Uh, have that personal conversation. I, I think that it's so important uh, because each of your situations is different and it's not a one size fits all thing. So. Um, Brett, thank you so much for your time today. What, you were a great guest. Well, thank you very much appreciate for having God. me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, no, that's Peter. Peter, thank you so much for bringing uh, him on. Uh,
3: I much appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Well, thank you. My, my first podcast, so I enjoyed doing
1: it. All right, gentlemen, this was a fantastic podcast. Brett, I've been working with Peter for a very long time. I know each person's situation is individual, um, and that is a conversation they need to have with you or with Peter. Peter, uh, earlier uh, Brett mentioned he was going to send you a resource for our audience. Uh, can you remind us again what that resource is and how people can get it? Yeah, it,
2: um, certainly. It's it's a it's, it'll be a roadmap. Um, it basically describes or, or shows and illustrates uh, how assets can be owned and how they might flow through mm-hmm. an estate. And I just find it's a really helpful piece uh, that that helps the, really helps the client understand uh, what some of these issues are. And so uh, I'll put yeah. it up on my, my on my website, and um, and people can can go into the raskinplanning.com website, and it w- it'll be under the resource section, and we'll call it a estate planning roadmap.
1: All right, Brett. Thank you so much for giving that to our audience.
3: Absolutely. Well, I, I hope it's easy to understand, and I mean, it, I think it, it's a nice way. I think most planning. Um, and when you look at that roadmap, it will kind of understand how
1: your estate plan works.
3: Um, and you know, in thinking about these different topics we talked about today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping it sparks some questions and conversations within a family and then they they reach out to either you or Peter um, to get those answers. So uh, again, Brett, thank you so much. You did fantastic today. Thank you. And Peter, thank you so much for bringing Brett on what a great guest you chose again.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. I thought so too.
1: And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors, securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC, investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.